0: our great occasions. Just to let you know that Phil and Sharon are in Spalding today, and uh, just for the morning, they'll be with us this evening as part of Phil's responsibility uh, with regards to Assemblies of God, and we continue to pray that the Lord would bless them and bless the churches that he visits. How many of you know that God doesn't just want to bless Arena Churches, Arena Church, he wants to bless the church. And uh, we always want to be people that don't just keep it to ourselves. We want to be a sending church. We want to be an inputting church. We want to be able to bless others as God gives us something to bless them with. Um, It's my joy to be able to conclude the God First series. If it's your first time here amongst us, don't worry, because you will get something from the message. Um, But what I want to go back to is the thought of, we we said that very often many of us... um, Put lots of stuff in our lives. And the sand represents the stuff in our lives. So whatever that may be. Many of them are good things. Money. We put, you know, cars. We put holidays. We put kids. We put hobbies. Golf. Eating out. All kinds of stuff that we pack our lives with. And what we didn't say was, to be clear, that those things were bad. Because they're not bad. They're good things. God has given all these things for our pleasure, the Bible says. The problem is is when we put them in our lives first, and then what we try and do is we then take our lives with God, and we then, we then try and pack it in, and it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. That's the issue. That's all what we've been saying. What we need to do is empty the stuff out of our lives. For some of us here today, this is what you need to do. And you need to put God first. And then put all the other stuff around it, and it all then fits. The key verse was Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. It says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you." I wonder if we could read that together after three. One, two, three. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We've lost the art of memorization. I'd encourage you, please, to just take a note of this verse. Because what Jesus is basically saying to us, if if we will place him first in our lives, then all the other things, and what are those other things? Well, it talks about the clothes, the food we eat, where we live. the, The worries of this life, everything else will be added unto us. But the key is we need to put God first. And we've been going through this series, and it's been my joy whilst we've been away to listen to some of the messages. But we've looked at God first as an introduction, in it's placing him as the priority of our lives. We've looked at him in terms of connecting, engaging. We've looked at serving. We've looked at partnering. And it's my joy in a moment to open up the whole thought around giving with regards to our resource. But before I do that, I don't know whether I've just landed it on Chris, and I often do this. We've not been able to do do the picture, which is fine. I can tell you the story. I use this as an illustration. Please don't all think, well, he's always mentioning about his his family, because that's not the case. But whilst we were traveling on holiday, it was was just so uh, relevant to me that we flew into Washington, D.C., because it's cheaper. If anybody wants to go and do the Orlando thing, don't do a direct flight. Do, uh, do, do indirect, and then you save yourself about 150 quid each flight. It's just cheaper. Yeah, it can be a little bit of humbug. And those who don't like flying, you have to f- come in and then go off again. But, you know, if you can live with that, you're fine. And we flew into Washington, D.C., it broke the journey up. Who do we, I'm just walking literally through, we've used the bathroom, we've got off the plane, we've used the bathroom. I'm literally just walking through, and who walks beside me? Some of you have no idea who this is, but some of you will. Shaquille O'Neal. Does anybody know who Shaquille O'Neal is? Shaquille O'Neal is an NBA legend, a basketball legend. He's about seven foot one and built like a brick house, honestly. He, he was unbelievable. And I said to Isaac, and of course Isaac and Lily are massive into basketball. I said to Isaac, he was with me, I said, that's Shaquille O'Neal. Really, Dad? I said, yeah, that's Shaquille O'Neal. So he's walking around. He goes that way because he's going to the American passport. I'm going to the UK because... We're all, we have all the hassle, obviously, getting into America. I mean, the lovers, but they don't want us going in. But anyway, that's another, that's another story in itself. And so I'm going through. Isaac's agitated now. He wants to get to Shaquille O'Neal. He wants to get his autograph. wants to get to him. And if any of you have got anybody you really like, you'll understand what I mean. I'm actually going to Scotland in two, two weekends time. I'm hoping I'm going to bump into Kenny Dalgleish. Well, if it happened for Isaac, it'll happen for me. That's what I'm believing for. But anyway, you know somebody you really like, you'd love to meet? Well, this is what it was like for Isaac. I mean, he's an absolute legend, this, this guy. So anyway, we, our, our, our paths merged. God was in all of this and over all of it. He walks by Isaac before I even get a chance to and does this to him, just fist pumps him. I'm called. it's really cool, fist pumps him like this. So I walked straight up to him and I said, excuse me, this may be a strange question, but I wanted to make sure. Are you Shaquille O'Neal? And actually, I wasn't looking like that. I was looking like that at him. (laughs) And he had these headphones on and these sunglasses. He went, yeah. I went, seriously, I went, would you mind? I says, honestly, my son's a massive basketball and my daughter. and, And, you know, if they could have an autograph and maybe even a photo. He said, absolutely, that's fine. Just go through. So anyway, you have to understand, we've got six of us going through security. He's only got one going through. Then we've got to pick the bags up and drop them back. Isaac, so we get through that, he's gone. Shaquille O'Neal's gone. So Isaac's getting seriously agitated now and saying, Mom, Dad, he's gone. We, we've got to get to Shaquille O'Neal. We've got to go. He's wanting to rush off. We've only just landed, trying to keep him back on reins. And Caroline just turned to him and says, Isaac, if you will put God first, honestly, we're not always spiritual like this, but it just, well, it not me, I was just getting agitated with him. <laughs> But Caroline, she's the one who glows in the dark, and, um, and she just said to him, if you all put God first, then let's just trust it with God. Well, lo and behold, we walk through, we got the escalator. Who's waiting for us? This legend, he's worth 500 million, he's a big, massive star, who was waiting for us at the top of the escalator, Shaquille O'Neal. Have we got it? There he is. My point in saying this, just leave it there for a moment. I honestly believe that was God wanting to say something to me and my, show my family. If we will just keep putting God first, then all these things will be added unto you. So that's what we're talking about, putting God first. And putting God first with regards to our giving and our resource. Now listen to me, if you're not a Christian and you're here, we love the fact that you're here. You might be skeptical, you might be thinking, what is this about that I've come into? I understand all that. You might be here under duress, because many people start church coming under duress. I get that. But we really love the fact That you're here. If it's your first time here in church, as in you've not been for a while or you're just here, then again, we just love the fact that you're here. And I want to say to you this morning, and you may say, is this for real? Yeah, you can go to the bank on this. You, what I'm about to say, talk about for the next 30 minutes, you're completely off the hook. Listen to me because you'll hear some principles that really help, but you are completely off the hook. This does not apply to you at all. You can just rest easy. But if you're part of Arena Church and you're a Christian and you call this home, then I want to say you are not off the hook, okay? You are not off the hook. But I don't want you being under pressure. Let me just say with regards to God first and our giving, I want to say this. I, we, are not after your money, okay? So just put that, if you're writing notes or on your electronic device, we're not after your money. But what we want to do is show you the principles of blessing. How many of you, if I was to stand up today, and I am going to be able to do this, would be able to say to you, if I could say to you, you could live a life of contentment and blessing. Not victory after victory, because that's not normal life. But if I could say to you that, you, you, you know, I could give you some, I don't like the phrase keys, but just help principles how to live contented, peaceful, joyful, happy, prosperous, having your needs met kind of life, who would want that? Just lift your hands up. No, it's no trick question. If you would like that kind of life, hold them up. If I've said to you a lot, there's some principles that this is how it works. Okay. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at because I want to endeavor to show you a very, very important principle. But the first thing we need to do is we need to let go. Nudge your neighbor and says, let go. We've got to let go. We've got to let go. Now, all that I'm talking about, I'm living. All that I'm talking about, I'm living. Which is a very powerful statement. But it's true. Do I need to improve on? Absolutely. But I am endeavoring to live out these things. And actually, I'll come to it in a moment. Part of my reading and study has been around the whole thing to do with wealth and finances. Not getting it, but what we do with it, how we steward it and giving. So that's been part of my personal study over the last couple of months anyway. But I am endeavouring to live it. And this is what I want to say, you see, we put money first because often we love money the most. You see, what we prioritise shows me what we value. So if you prioritise family time, that shows me you value family time. If you prioritize your job, that shows me you value your job. If you prioritize your wife or your husband, then that tells me you, you value them. If you prioritize your mom or your dad, that tells me that you value them. And in the same applies to money. If we prioritize money, then it shows me we value it. Now, what we've got to do is understand that money is there for our benefit, but we are not there to be the slave to it. It is there as our master And what we must do with regards to God first in our giving and our resourcing is that we need to first of all let go. And we need to let go of what? Of gods. There needs to be a releasing of small g gods. I want to take you back to Exodus where Moses was given the Ten Commandments. We would do well in this nation to still live out of the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are very powerful. And the first two commandments relate to Him being first. In fact, all of them do, but they're very, very strong. Because they say there, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. And secondly, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I love what Peterson writes in the message. He says, no other gods, only me. You see, you may say, well, Christian, how do I have have—I've not got a shrine in my house. this you know, carved out of wood and bowing down. What you're talking about is a nonsense because what happened was in the Old Testament, there was Jehovah God and he's a living, breathing God. He's the God of the universe and he's real and he's living, but they for some bizarre reason, began to worship the gods of other nations. And those other nations, gods, were carved out of wood or stone or precious stones. And they began to worship them. They began to set up places in high places. It's where we get a lot of demonic activity. There's something that happens, and that's the kind of gods they were bowing down to. Now, I'm not suggesting for one moment that we're doing that in our house, but how about gods? That we place before God. How about the God of money? If your Bible is your bank statement. Then we have a problem. Some people here may read their bank statements more than they read their Bibles. If you visit the temple of Lloyd's. Or the temple of NatWest. Or the temple of Santander. More than the temple of that God has placed the church, then we have a problem. Many people go and worship at the altar of their bank statement or at their bank, and the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money in itself, the love of it. We're consumed by it. I was impacted by the story of, you may know this, Tutankhamun. And what he actually did, he was so wealthy. And when he died, he'd given instructions that he wanted all his wealth to be buried with him. Because he believed that he would be carried over into the afterlife. What a fool. Because for those who've had the opportunity of able to see it in museums, it's now all in museums. He believed he could take his wealth with him into the afterlife. want to declare to you that you cannot take anything with you into this afterlife. This life is meant to be lived And once we've lived it, we then go to another life. It's called eternity. You determine where you're going to go. Not God. You determine by your choices. If you will love God, then I wanted to tell you, as Vera and as Carl knows, they are guaranteed a place in heaven. By calling on God and seeking to live for Him, there's an eternity to come. Unfortunately, for those who who decline and refuse the great offer of salvation through the cross, Jesus died on a cross to make a way Not just for this life, but in the life to come. But there are some people who refuse that. And I'm not ashamed to say, the Bible says, not I, the Bible says, that their eternal eternal destination is hell and damnation. Today you need to make a choice who you're going to serve. And Tutankhamun, he determined that he was going to take his wealth with him. And unfortunately, that's how many, many, many people live their lives. I understand we need to pass on inheritance to our children. I certainly want to leave an inheritance to our children. But let me tell you, an inheritance to our children is not just about the value of money. It's the value of integrity and character and those kinds of principles. Not what we can leave in terms of money. Is anybody with me this morning? We must be very, very careful. Actually, what we pass on to our children Because if we're not careful, we'll end up spoiling them. So there are people who have gods. And unfortunately, they live out their life unto the God of finance or whatever it may be. And I'm saying to us today, if we are going to put God first, we need to let go. I was reading, just whilst there was a way, this wealth, is it worth it? I'd encourage you, if anybody wants to just... Not take this copy, and normally I'm very, very generous in my books, but I still, there's a number of things I want to go through. I read it in a sitting. And what captured me was, wealth, is it worth it? It was written by a guy who set up a a, a brand similar to McDonald's, not as big, called Chick-fil-A. Those who have traveled to the States should know it. Um, Over the last 20 years or so, it's exploded. The guy now um, um, has, I think it was for 38 years, has seen... uh, increase year on year. That's un- unknown in Bob and others who are embarking in business. That's unknown. 38 consecutive years growth. And he's a, he's a Christian. He was a Sunday school. He died this year as a Sunday school teacher. 60 years just taught Sunday school in his local church. Set this brand up. It's wonderful principles. And uh, $4 billion sales per year. I mean, just incredible. And he wrote this book, Wealth, Is It Worth It? Because he argues that the very book I've seen wealthy people and they've just blown it and they've messed it's messed their life, messed their kids. Is it really worth it? Is it, bo- is it worth bothering with? And he says the, 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 the conclusion was it's only worth it if you do something good with it. It's not worth it if you're just going to get more and more stuff. It's not worth it. It's only worth it. If you, and you may say, well, it's easy for him. He's a multimillionaire. No, he's saying it's only worth it if you're doing something with it. I'd encourage you, if you just want to get a grasp on it, it's dead easy. Wealth, Is It Worth It? by S. Truett, Cathy. And he, and he just talks about the fact of different people, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. They've all come to the same conclusion. The, the billionaires the richest men in the, in the world. They're all giving away the money. And they are all giving away. They've already signed it off. It's already done. Signed it off. I think Warren Buffett is going to work off, and his family off, 1%. He may say, well, it's okay, 1% of 50 billion, but listen to me, he's still giving away all his fortune. And it's not because he doesn't love his kids, because he makes a statement in this book. The biggest value that I can give my kids is character and how to live that. They'll have enough. But let's try and eradicate uh, poverty. Let's try and eradicate polio. Let's, I mean, Bill Gates, I think, uh, my understanding is, has eradicated polio with his giving around the world through the Rotary. It's incredible. And these guys, wealthy guys, have have, have understood that actually money is not meant to be served, but the money is meant to serve them. Do you get what I mean? See, money, if not handled correctly, gets in the way and ruins relationships, happiness, contentment, marriage, kids, and God. If God is not first, at best, he'll be relegated to second or third or maybe even fourth or fifth in our lives. Let me ask you a question. What are you keeping hold of? What do you need to let go of? Has money got a hold of you? Or are you controlling money? There's a story in the Bible very quickly in Matthew chapter 19 about uh, somebody who came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I've been a really righteous man and I've done, I've kept the Ten Commandments. I've honored my mom and dad. I've not committed adultery. I've not lied. I've not cheated. I've not committed murder. I'm good, basically, what I was saying to Jesus. Not many of us could say that, could we, to Jesus. I certainly couldn't. But this was a righteous man and Jesus says to him, well, yeah, there's just one thing you need to do. What's that one thing? You just need to sell everything you've got and give it away to the poor. And the Bible records that this man left Jesus very, very sad. It wasn't that Jesus was against him having money. He just knew that that was his God. And God wanted to be God, complete God of his life. I have a theory about this. It's not in commentary. I think if he had taken up the challenge of given everything, I think God would have just given it all back to him. And more. I think God would have just blessed him, but he knew that he could not be trusted. You see, the Bible has 500 verses on prayer, nearly 500 verses on faith, but there are 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Jesus talked about money in 16 of the 38 parables. Why? Because it was such a massive issue. We need to understand money and how to handle it. And one of the things I believe is money is a test from God. Some people say, oh, God's testing me. I think the biggest test to Christians is money. Because the big test is this. How generous are we going to be with what God's given to us? At the end of the day, we're all stewards. If you're earning 10 grand a month, I am thrilled that you're earning 10 grand a month. You may say, I don't earn that in a year. There are some people who may earn that kind of money. But it's a test. How generous are you going to be with that money? If you're only earning 100 pounds, how generous are you going to be without 100 pounds? It's all a test to us. It's All a test to us, and we need to get freed up. That's why I said, Let go in the area of money because God is looking in God. This God first series, and I just concluded for a generous heart to be clear. We don't want your money, Uh, you are not here for your money. Aren't you glad that you're the first time visitor or you're not a Christian? Because you said, I'm off the hook. Aren't you glad? We we don't want you here for your money. And I'm aware there are people who attend Arena who give nothing or very little to to the financial landscape of Arena. I'm aware of that. But I want to say you're still welcome. Not trying to look anywhere, but you're still welcome. What I'm trying to say is there is a better way to live with our money from a free and generous heart. God doesn't need you to give, but he wants you to be blessed. God doesn't want your money, he just wants your heart. God just wants to be first. That's why he's laid a principle in of giving, of tithing, and of first fruits. Because I believe this is a great indication of whether he is first. Show me your bank balance, show me your bank statement, and I'll show you what you value. Show me what goes out each month, and I'll show you what, what you value. Some of you say, I love God with all my heart. and You sing those songs, but you give very little. Talking to Christians now, that tells me, I'm sorry, what you value. It says everything about us. Now you may say, well, I've got groceries. That shows me you value your kids because you need to feed them. And absolutely, you need to do. Yeah? I need to put a house. I need to pay the rent, the mortgage. I get that. But listen to me, if it's clothes, and you're not giving to the house of God, if it's fancy meals... If it's fabulous cars and holidays and you're not giving to the house of God, shows me what you value. shows me what you value. God is looking to be first. Now, some people say, I don't know what to give. I really don't know what to give. Well, just in the closing moments, and I'm aware the clock is ticking, and Tracy is going to come and share now. She's going to just talk for a moment about some of her journey of giving just for a few moments and then i'm just going to conclude with the whole thought of around what do we need to give and how we can apply that into our everyday life so i wonder if we'd welcome this wonderful woman
1: yeah um a lot of you know me now but obviously it wasn't always like this at at the age of 28 i I had a very quite wealthy husband, a £28,000 mortgage, and things were looking good. At the age of 29, I was divorced and living in a council house with absolutely nothing. Holly was six, and Keris was just nine months. At that point, we made a decision that we would put God first in everything, regardless of what that looked like, regardless of what that looked like relationship-wise, what that looked like financially, what that looked like, anything – God must come first. When I said to Caleb, I've been asked to do this, Caleb just looked and said, Where are you gonna start? Because my testimony is put God first. My testimony isn't about me and how special I could it's how faithful God is, how amazingly faithful He is. We have put God first in everything, and God has never, ever, ever left me wanting. All I have needed is hand provided. I have put God first financially, and he has seen us through financially. I have cooked our last meal for the street's children, and bags of food have been delivered anonymously by taxis and feeding my own children. In my career... I work in a position that I believe God has called me to. I do not command the wage that I could command somewhere else. I have been offered positions even this last year that would give me financial security. But I put God first and I work where God wants me to be, knowing that the Lord, the maker is my husband and he is a father to the fatherless. And if I put God first, he will take care of everything else. In 10 years, I've been driving and I have never, ever brought a car because my job is to put God first. My husband's job, the Lord, my maker, is to make sure everything else is put in place. My last car, every car I've had, I've come to the point where I thought, Lord, I need a new car again. This car is going to run out fairly soon and miraculously, the last car, the car I'm driving at the moment, it might not be your favorite make and model, but Father God sent that from heaven. It might as well be top of the range for me because that, God chose that for me and I love that car with all of my heart because my Father in heaven chose it. I went to pay the man for it and he said, I don't want your money. Four years ago, you did a very kind act for me. It's not a Christian, it's not anyone, you just wouldn't even guess. It said so you did a very kind act for me. One good turn returns another. God has always got my back. Yeah. You put God first. I'm not special, but I'm brave and I'm willing to give it a go.
0: If you need any any um, Help in that area. Please see Tracy at the end and she'll help you because it does take some bravery, which I will come on to. Now, what I want to do is just in these closing moments, following on from Tracy, just laying a foundation of putting in first a live example of somebody who's sought to do that over the years and uh, there's been so many trials and tests to that. Uh, just lay a foundation. And what I want to do, I just want to put on the screen, if I can, Proverbs in chapter three. And verse 9 through to 10. It says, honor the Lord Lord, with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new, new wine. There are two principles that the Lord talks about. And the first thing that I want to just mention from these verses is how we should honor God with our tithe. We should honor the Lord with our wealth, with our tithe. It's an Old Testament principle that does run through to the New Testament. For those who have no idea what I'm talking about, and you say, well, I really don't know what to give. Very often, the the benchmark from the Scriptures is a tithe. We may say, what is a tithe? Basically, it just means a tenth. A tenth of what we've been blessed with as the minimum. But you may say, for those who are Christians, ah, but we're not under law, we're under grace. I want to say to you, for those who say that, This law was given, sorry, this principle was laid down way before the law. It was laid down with Abraham, way before Moses, hundreds of years before. So it actually flops over both law and grace. It's a principle that God is laying down. And I've been reading recently about this. This really impacted me. This is not my own, and I'm going to refer you to another book if people would like to look at this book. Because basically, the number 10, which is... 10% Ten percent tithe. Numbers in the Bible are very, very important. We mustn't over egg them, but they are important. So for example, number seven is about perfection and completeness. It really is. Number six is the number of man. Talks about man on, on the sixth day, you know, God was Adam and you know was created and whatever. But number ten is the number of testing. Number 10 in the Bible is the number of tests. And you say, well, where would you get that from? Well, let me tell you. How many plagues came to uh, Pharaoh's house? Okay. How many times did God test Israel in the desert over that 40 years? Ten. How many times was Jacob challenged with Laban with regards to, you know, the the, the tests that came to to, to Jacob uh, uh, as God was just preparing the way? I want to tell you, it was 10 times. I've looked at it 10 times. And so what we see here is the whole thought of the tithe, 10%. It's not just a law. It's a test. It's a test. It's there on purpose. And it's there on purpose because there are some things that God wants to get our attention uh, with. And what I want to say is this. How many ways are our obedience tested The answer is 10. Because many people just choose to give God 1 or 2% or 3% or 0%. And God is saying, here's the test. 10%. It's a test. It's the tithe. I want to just refer you to Malachi in chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Then what does it begin to say? If we can get it up there. Test. Me in this test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. As I said, it's a principle that's laid down, but again, you want to come back to me, but it's the law, Christian. You're not clear, seeing it clearly. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 is a very, very important verse to connect with verse 10 because it says, There, I, the Lord, do not change. This unchanging principle has been laid in by God. And if it flows from our hearts and we say we're going to put God first, then we're going to give God our tithe, our proper tithe, and we're not going to fudge it. And we're going to honor the Lord with our wealth. We can then fully expect for God to bless our lives. It may not be immediate, but we can expect the course of our lives to live much easier and much more prosperous and certainly contented and peaceful if we will honor him with the tithe. The second thing is this. It says in Proverbs and chapter 3 that we've read together, he talks about the first fruits of our crops. Unfortunately, we haven't got time to just nail tithing and first fruits, and them in themselves should take a whole morning. And if you're really unsure about what first fruits are, and you have access to a computer, I just encourage you to log on to Arena Church website. There's a really dodgy video on there, because, not because Dave Crabtree did it, because he was okay. It's the guy who's in front of the camera that's dodgy, as in, I look dodgy, um, and, and I'm talking about first fruits just for five minutes. I'd encourage you just to log on, go to the media section, first fruits, and just click on there. Because I'm trying to just give an understanding of what first fruits really is all about. Because it's there on purpose. It's not just about tithing, but it's about first fruits. And very simply put, first fruits is something that God laid down, it was annual. And basically what people did at that point is they took, if they were farming animals, they would take the first lamb that was without blemish and they would offer it as as a sacrifice unto the Lord. That's what they did. They offered it as unto the Lord. They didn't know what was going to come, whether the other little lambs were going to be any good, but they did the first one. They didn't wait for the others to follow. They did the first one first. If there was a harvest of crops, they took the first lot of harvest of crops, not knowing what the other fruit was going to be like. They took the first one and brought it by faith and presented it towards God. You see, it's about offering something to God of a promise to come. You may say, well, I don't do lambs and I don't do growing stuff. Neither do I. So what does that mean for us? It may mean a bonus. I know there's a young couple. They're just waiting on a bonus. And they've already said, we're going to give it as a first fruit to God. Now that could work out as thousands. You may say, yeah, but that's the step of faith for them. I want to say, God's no no man's debtor. He will honor that commitment. I haven't forced that upon them. They they said it to me. For other people, it may say, well, I'm going to give my first month's salary. I'm not saying you have to do this because it doesn't give us. What it's basically saying is the promise to come. There have been times when we've done, practiced this kind of stuff. And we've sought to honor God. In faith of what's going to follow. And God always meets the need. We see it running through scriptures. And by the way, Jesus himself was the firstborn and he was the first fruit. It talks about in the New Testament. He was the wonderful sacrifice that God sent from heaven to make a way for each and every one of us. So even God practiced this principle of fruits. Why do I say all this? Well, for Christian people and people who call this home, I've, you've already heard my heart. I hope you've heard my heart. I am not bothered, and I can be as blunt as this, about your money. What I am bothered about is you finding the blessing of God upon your life. That's what I am passionate about. I am absolutely passionate about that. And some people are experiencing not the blessing of God, and as soon as you touch money, it becomes an issue. And it tells me everything about where our hearts are. And I've been there. I've been there. But I want us as a church to put God first. And so some of you may say, well, I need to make an adjustment of my budgeting. I need to set up a standing order. I need to not just give two or three percent, and thank you for the two or three percent, but I need to honor God with a tenth. It's a test. I need to give God that tenth. To God. As Tracy's already said, as she gave to God, even when she didn't have, adm- God has honored her and will continue to honor her. So I want to encourage you, those who aren't tithing properly or not at all, test me in this and see what God does. With regards to first fruit, it's something that we do each year. And what I want to encourage each and every one of you from the church is pledge, is give. We're saying that by the mid December, we're asking you to pledge in an envelope. If you're going to give it through the offering, make sure it's written on their first fruits or pledging amount, because this young couple don't know what the bonus is going to be. So what they've put on there, or I hope they'll put on there, is there is something to come, but it's going to be the year's the bonus, the first bonus that we get. There's some other people who say, I haven't got the money to do it now, but in January, because of Christmas, I'm going to honor God with that, with that thing. And can I be blunt with you? That's where I'm going to be. I'm going to... Pledge it and then give it and January, okay? And I know there's other people who've, who've said that that's what they're going to do because it's tight over Christmas and your budget. But they're going to do it as a promise to come. What I'm asking you to do, those who really have heard me, to do it in Jesus' name. So you can fill a pledge by what you're wishing to give, a date. Some of you may say, well, actually... I need to pay it off over three months. What I'm not asking you to do is get yourself in trouble on the, with regards to the first fruits. According to your faith. If your faith is 10 pounds, if your faith is 1 pound, if your faith is 50 pounds, if your faith is 100 pounds, if your faith is 1,000 pounds, it's according to your faith. But it's about the promise to come. There's so much more I could say about that, but time doesn't allow us. But I want to just, as I conclude, say it's about putting God first. This book, I'd love to be able to buy all of you a copy of it. Um, Neil and Anne were very generous. that They actually said, go and buy yourself a book, and I did. And it was this. I had to apologize to Anne after because then I realized that if I hadn't got it from the bookshop and I'd have bought it online, I'd have got it at half price. But she said, don't worry about it. It uh, probably has been the best book I've ever read on wealth and giving and just how, what you do with your money. Uh, it, honestly, it's that good. I'd encourage you, if you are wanting to know more and put God first and get it right, get the book. And just then come and talk to me once you've read it. But we're believing that as a church, as we put God first, that God will bless us. Not just in the areas of engaging, not just in the areas of connecting, not just in partnering, not just in serving, but actually God is going to bless us in the area I wonder if we bow our heads as a phone going, if somebody wouldn't mind just turning that off. If you can't hear it, that would be awesome. Just in these closing moments that I have with you, and thank you for your time that you've given me, just extending beyond the normal time that we have. While every eye is closed and head is bowed, and we're going to conclude with a great song of worship to God, my conclusion to, the, to those who are Christians and those who are part of Arena Church, all I'm asking you to do is just give, put God first in your area of finance. And for some of you, that will mean some adjusting. And that.